Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hey everybody, welcome to The Edge Podcast by MGR, your host David Gill here. I hope everybody is having a fantastic week. As always, I certainly am. This week, we are talking about data and more specifically, what to do with it as far as users go, businesses go, governments go. This is a topic that I really uh, have been pushing back because, quite frankly, it's a complicated topic. I think everybody knows this. It's There's a lot of layers to it, and there's no real easy answers that I've found, and I really haven't had an answer, um, and that's why I haven't talked about it, and uh, yeah, but I, I decided now was the time. I think that there's lots of talk about regulation, about should we break up big companies, how, what should we do with data, uh, should you own your data? You know, what level of responsibility do you have? All these types of things that are very, you know, there's there's lots of complications to them. There's no easy answer. And I've kind of hinted at little things here and there and discussed it briefly in different episodes, but I've never had an episode dedicated to it. So I thought I would today. Um, we're going to give this a shot here because I don't even know how this episode is going to go because... There's a lot to cover, and again, I don't think there's an easy answer. I think anybody who says that there's an easy, uh, simple answer that you just do this and the problem is solved, you know, one way or the other, I think that they're just either naive or they're lying. And uh, anyways, let's get into it. You ain't got no money, I ain't got no time. All these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. So the first question that I wanted to address, and that's kind of the the major question overall, is should you own your own data? Um, And what level of responsibility do you have over your data? Like right now, uh, are you responsible for when you click agree to the terms of service and privacy policy and all those things? Uh, By law, yes, you are clicking agree. If you don't read it, you know, that's on you don't you know it's kind of like don't sign a contract you haven't read it's kind of the same thing but at the same time can you really expect people to read and thoroughly go through every single site's terms of services and privacy policies and all these things i don't know that's a question that we need to answer uh like i'll tell you personally i actually have begun uh, reading terms of service and privacy policies for some of the apps and sites I use just because I'm kind of curious as to what they say in them, especially free apps. Uh, we've There's been a lot of uh, stories coming out recently of free apps really taking advantage of people's data. I know one of the big, big um, stories was that uh, women were using um, an app or different apps to track their periods basically and their cycles and that then the company and the apps were free and then the companies were selling that data to advertisers and obviously you know women were getting very upset the fact that their uh, such intimate information was being 
sold to companies that they didn't agree to be sold to. But if you had gone into the terms of service and privacy policy, it says in there that, that, that they're allowed to do that and you're agreeing by using this free app to allow them to sell your data. And that's a very intimate case. And I think people very much felt taken advantage of. Um, but I also think that there is a bit of uh, responsibility on the user too, especially I think at this point in the stage of the internet, in in that in the maturity that so many people have been using it for so long. You know, I think most people should know by now that if something's free, you know, they have to make money somehow. And if they're offering the service for free, that means that they're probably selling your data. Really, that's the only ways to make money. Uh, with an app or a website or something of that nature is to have people pay for it, to run ads, or to sell data. And obviously, you can have a mixture of all three. But if something is free, then obviously that means, and you're not paying for it, that means that they're probably selling your data. And so I, after reading that, went to a couple apps that are free for myself. Uh, like I use a, a, a fasting app because I sometimes will do intermittent fasting. And there is a, it's, it was the app Zero um, that uh, Kevin Rose, if you're familiar with him, uh, he promoted. I think he's one of the co-creators of it. But uh, anyways, I just was curious because it's another app that's free. I don't pay anything for it. And it provides like a tracking service that's similar. Obviously, intermittent fasting is different. That data is not so sensitive as uh you know, period cycles, but I was curious anyway, so I read the terms of service, and basically it says, yes, we sell your data, now it's anonymized, so it's not like they're saying, you know, me, David, this is his fasting cycle, but they do take a uh, grouping of, they'll take basically everyone's fasting data, and then use that information to do what they want, basically take the data of people's fasting habits and uh, either sell it or use it to maybe create products if they want to, things of that nature. In that case, you know, for me, I'm kind of okay with it. I understand, you know, it's a free app, and as long as it's not connected to me, I think I'm okay with that. Again, fasting data isn't something that I'm super concerned with, but, you know, it's just something to know, and I'm glad that I read it because I was very curious after hearing that story. But that's kind of getting to the broader point. So what level of responsibility do people have? This is a very controversial topic, and I think ultimately the burden is on both companies and users. I think companies need to be much more transparent with how they're using your data. And I think this is happening. I mean, you look at Google, you look at Apple, you look at um, a lot of these companies, they're being uh, not so much because they necessarily wanted to, but because the market is kind of demanding it and consumers are getting more and more protective of their data and wanting to know what it's being used for, how it's being used, etc that they are being much more open and honest with how your data is being used. And I think that uh, it could very much be a consumer-driven change in that consumers will not use applications or sites that don't tell you how your data is being used because they could get to the point where if you're not, you know, if everybody's doing it, if every company is telling you how they're using your data 
and then this company says, oh, we're not going to share that information. That sounds pretty sketchy, and a lot of people will probably opt to not use that you know, site or application. So that could be a potential uh, solution there, basically market-driven uh, consumer demand of how is my data being used. But that leads into another topic, which is, is it ultimately worth it to basically give up your data in exchange for the convenience and all of these modern services. At the end of the day, every modern convenience, most modern as far as tech goes, uh, conveniences need your data and need massive amounts of data to run. It doesn't matter if it's Google Maps or uh, Amazon Alexa, which by the way, it came out roughly a month ago, a few weeks ago, that uh, they do in fact record conversations and use that and then basically take the audio and then have um, people transcribe them, transcribe the conversations so that the Alexa algorithms can better learn and better get better at speech recognition. Uh, a lot of people were surprised by this, which I didn't really understand because that's how we teach AI, basically, you have to have human intervention saying, no, this was wrong, this is the correct answer, and then you learn. And so to think that Amazon wasn't recording conversations, I think is kind of naive, honestly. And it's the same with uh, Apple and Siri and uh, Google, um, I'm blanking, Google Home, Google Assistant. Basically, yeah, they record your conversations. Now, it's supposedly very secure and anonymized. It's not connected to you, all these things. But yes, your conversations are being recorded and there are people listening to them uh, and transcribing them so that the AI can learn. Not all conversations. Obviously, there's way too many uh, conversations being had that for these companies to afford to transcribe them all, but they will select random ones or ones where the Alexa failed, for example, if it, if you were asking it a question and it couldn't understand what you were saying, things of that nature. Um, and then, you know, kind of what one thing that led me to this topic was Google Duplex, which uh, they had they introduced Google Duplex for the web. If you're not sure what this is, Google had their big developer conference this past week. And I'll put a link to the demo video of Google Duplex. But basically, uh, in the demo, uh, the CEO of Google basically asked his phone, hey, make me a, a rental car reservation for my next trip. That's all he said to the Google Assistant. And the Google Assistant said, okay. And then the Google Assistant went through his Google Calendar and went through his Gmail and all these things and basically was able to gather all the data and say, okay, now I know exactly when your next trip is. I can take the, I know the dates, I know the times, I know all this stuff. And I'm going to take all of that and fill it out for you and create this rental car reservation and then it was funny he goes it even knows your favorite car i guess based on whatever i don't know your behavior whatever so it even picks the car that it thinks you'll like most all these it does all of it for you and then you basically confirm it and you'd kind of read over it make sure everything's correct and then your car is rented your car is booked and the very interesting thing of that that was very glossed over was Google just admitted that, I mean, we already knew this, but Google is saying not only are we 
reading your emails and reading your calendar and all these things and watching your behaviors to see which car you'll like best. We're going to take all that data and then use it to create more services. And so that's the question. Excuse me. (laughs) That's the question. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to have to give up a lot of your data if it's anonymized, right? Hopefully, uh, companies will continue with the trend of not connecting data to identity. I think that's a big no-no. But if it's anonymized, but they have user behavior data, but it enables tons of new services that are not possible without that data, and the data is exactly what makes them good, is it worth it? I don't know. I think that's a, a personal decision that people have to make, but I think that the far majority of people including even myself, as much as I'm someone who uh, values their privacy, I give up my data all the time for services, and everyone does. So that's the question. I, I think overall, whether people admit it or not, they've shown through their actions that they're willing to give up their data and privacy in order to get access to better services. And, you know, another question is, do businesses limit themselves when they decide to not use as much data? Like Apple is a great example because Apple uh, has been, I mean, they've been doing tons of ads now. I've, I've seen many commercials uh, recently of them basically saying, you know, Apple, uh, the iPhone, the privacy phone, things like that. And uh, basically saying that we're not going to collect nearly as much data which in the short term probably helps them because people say, oh, you know, my iPhone's very safe, blah, blah, blah. But by not collecting all of that data, it's going to limit them in the services that they're able to create. And it's also not necessarily 100% true. Like I said, uh, they store your Siri conversations for six months. Um, they still track your location data. You can turn it off by default. It's all on, you know, things like that. So I think it's a little... Uh, misleading for Apple to consider themselves the ultimate privacy device when really it's not. They're still collecting a lot of data, but they're definitely hurting themselves. Now, it's okay because they don't make money from selling ads. They make money from selling devices. But I think in the long term, there's going to be apps and services that they could potentially have offered on the iPhone that they might not be able to because they just don't have the data available to create or offer those services. So I think the answer is clearly Yes, that if a business isn't using data, uh, that they're at a clear disadvantage. And we'll see how that goes for Apple, but I think it I think they'll be okay in the short run, but we'll see how in the long term it affects them with offering new software services. Now, I wanted to get into another topic, which is I think most people have kind of shut it down, which is, should all of these uh, companies, platforms, Facebook, Google, Twitter, you know, Instagram, obviously, I know a lot of them, I know Instagram's owned by Facebook, but should all these companies have a paid version that basically collects very, very little data, and only enough that's needed to, you know, connect you with friends and kind of give you a basic feed, but they're not selling any of your data to advertisers and they're collecting just the minimum amount of data necessary to basically run your account. Uh, 
Is that a good idea? Should all of them have a paid version? My first question is, I don't think that's really possible because data is what makes these services good. It's what makes them addictive, really. And now whether you, that's a whole different conversation of social media addiction and overuse and all this. I mean, personally, I've cut down over the past year or so very much on my uh, social media usage just because, you know, I found that I was spending a lot of time on it. And I think most people uh, relate that it can be very much of a time suck. And, you know, it just distracts you from doing things that you want. I mean, I used to, I, the biggest thing for me was uh, I used to read, you know, I wasn't like a, a, a hardcore reader, like some people who read like multiple books a week or anything like that. But I would typically read a, a, at least, you know, three, maybe four books a month. And I got to the point where I hadn't read a book in like four months. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really affecting my uh my habits and I wasn't happy about that so I started reducing my my usage but anyways what makes them so addictive what makes these services so good is the algorithms is the data right because they're taking massive amounts of data and knowing exactly what you want to see right I my favorite uh definition of, of Facebook and Twitter and all these news feeds is that uh I think of her I think it's called like dopamine bites like a little you know like a little uh M&M a little piece of candy they just give you each tweet each uh news feed thing each Instagram post or story it's like a little piece of candy that you eat and they just keep offering you one you know you finish one and they say oh here's another little M&M here's another one dopamine bites that's really what these services are but if you take the algorithm away then it's not there and I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing but at the end of the day that's why we enjoy these services and I don't think people should go no social media it's no different that to me than say Netflix or just regular TV or any other form of entertainment I think you should entertain yourself how you want uh, but obviously you know like I said just like everything in moderation limit it but if you take away all of the data with a paid version, then you're not going to be, it's not going to be very attractive of a service. I actually think the paid version would be worse than the free version, which is not normal for services. Normally when you, you there's a free and a paid, the paid gives you much more whatever. Um, and then the other conundrum with this is how much do you charge? So I did a little research and so Facebook for example, their revenue per user in the in the North America is about $27, $28 per user uh, last year, 2018. So that would be roughly $2.50 a month, $2.50 a month. Uh, if they basically said, okay, we'll have a paid version, but you're going to pay double uh, what you're worth in ads, so you're going to pay 5 bucks a month. And basically, you're going to have very, very, like I said, very, very little data collection on you. But you pay $5 a month. And the problem, the reason why they'd have to charge a premium also is because, you know, you opting out doesn't just affect you. It affects lots of uh, data collection in general. Because, for example, say I decide, okay, I'm going to pay $5 a month for Facebook. I don't want to be uh, tracked anymore. Well, 
how their their algorithms work is by matching user behaviors across a broad spectrum and then using commonalities to show advertisers hey this particular audience might be good for you so for example i'm someone who works in uh you know marketing tech whatever you want to call it who also watches a lot of basketball it's my favorite sport and I also like, you know, whatever, whatever, right? I have this X hobby. You know, they can take that, my profile, and then match it to other people who have very similar profiles to me. And then when I click on certain ads and I'm, I have an affinity to, uh, or more likely to click on this type of ad, then they can test and see, okay, does this person who has the very similar interests also, are they like how likely are they to click on this ad? And then they serve it, and that person clicks on this ad, and then they get that data, and they say, okay, this type of person who likes basketball and works in marketing or whatever uh, is very likely to respond well to this ad. And then they're going to start showing more people that are similar to me those ads. But by removing my data from the ecosystem, obviously they cannot use it uh, to get that behavior uh, spectrum, like I said. So that's why $5 a month, you know, would probably be reasonable, basically doubling the price. But is that fair? Because, okay, in the US, most people can probably afford five bucks a month. But if you look at Facebook and Instagram and all these services, they're worldwide services. You know, $5 a month is basically half an hour of work if you're making minimum wage in the US in most cases. Um, $5 a month in India, for example, the average person in India of the median income is roughly $5 a day. So someone's going to spend an entire day's worth of work just so they can access Facebook. That's very expensive. And I can imagine that very few people would be doing that. And so you get into the this conundrum of, okay, so it solves the problem for the more affluent who don't want their data tracked, but those who are lower income just have to deal with their data being collected because they can't afford to pay for it. And uh, I think that's just not fair either. So that's why there's not really an easy solution to this that's kind of the problem and so the final question is should there be government intervention or should we let the market kind of allow for new services to come that could potentially solve this problem right do you use the government or do you let the market do its thing well i'm not someone who's very in favor of government intervention uh in most cases in business. You know, I want as little government intervention as possible because very often there are unintended consequences that come along that end up hurting somebody. Uh, but even as someone who has those uh, opinions, I've even very strongly considered that government intervention might just be necessary, might be the right way to go. Um, but over the last year, I've been very unimpressed with particularly U.S. legislators, but legislators around the world uh, in their ability to deal with Internet-related issues. You know, I think a big example, obviously, from last year is GDPR. You know, this is a great example of governments not anticipating unintended consequences 
while it did you know somewhat hurt and cost the big platforms money to deal with you know google and facebook and all these huge companies they can afford it they can afford to uh pay developers to change things up and hire lawyers to really examine the law and all these things to make sure they comply however you know smaller businesses they don't have the same resources and they've struggled, you know, and it's hurt them even more because now they have to dedicate precious time and very often money to hire uh, either uh, development experts or legal experts who really do understand the law to address the GDPR. And most small businesses, you know, they don't have a lot of money and time to be dealing with GDPR laws. They need to focus on just keeping the door open. And so it's definitely hurt small businesses much more than it hurt the large companies. And that was what, you know, a lot of people anticipated beforehand. And it's exactly what ended up happening. And an even more egregious example of governments making very poor, rash decisions when it comes to Internet uh, laws was Australia. Now, this wasn't particularly dealing with data, but it's kind of in the same realm. You know, in this past March, I talked about it briefly, but in a previous episode, but they created a new law that uh, related to uh, the sharing, I'm going to read the particular thing, sharing of abhorrent violent material. And basically the law states that platforms need to, quote, ensure the expeditious removal of violent material. Now, they didn't give a time frame for expeditious, but basically that means very quickly. And the punishment, if you don't, is that the company, you know, people who are found to be held responsible at whatever company, whether it's Facebook or whoever, could face up to three years of jail time. You know, that's ridiculous and it was pretty much universally criticized uh, when it passed because, you know, as, as much as uh, people love to dog on these big companies, at the end of the day, they host massive amounts of content and they can't just, it's very difficult to monitor things, especially as they happen in the moment. And this was in response to the Christchurch shooting that there was footage of on Facebook and YouTube, I believe. And, you know, they were doing their best to remove it, but it's not that easy uh, because you have to find it. You're not always even aware of this content until it's been reported. And so the idea that, you know, someone from Facebook could go to jail for three years because someone uploaded something violent and they didn't catch it quick enough is a bit ridiculous. Um, and so laws like that make me very hesitant to say, yes, government intervention is the answer here when it comes to data and privacy. Um, but the flip side is, okay, so do we, and there are startups actually working on this, which is basically uh, giving you more control of your data and letting you know what companies are using your data for and letting you know when maybe you know, for example, you could set up guidelines for your data and your your information and say, this is what I'm willing to give up. This is what I'm not willing to give up. And when service and you can when a service tries to access something that you're not willing to give up, you know, you get an alert and say, hey, this company is trying to take your uh, location data. And maybe you're not OK with allowing your location data to be given up. Examples like that, and then overall, just the larger companies being much more transparent, which they are becoming, and I think that they will continue to be more transparent as we go into the future, just because of so much 
because there's been so much outcry for it. Um, but yeah, that's that's really the situation. Man, this is longer than I expected. But uh, like I said, it's there's a lot of nuance, a lot of layers, a lot of complexity. But ultimately, the things we need to ask ourselves is what level of responsibility do we have over our data? I think people need to have at least some form of responsibility. and You can't just blame everything on the platforms. And how much should you care so long as you're allowed or getting great services and conveniences in return? That's another question people need to ask themselves. And then ultimately, should there be government intervention or should we let things play out and see how it goes? I think we should let things continue to play out at least for a little bit because I think there are lots of changes happening without government intervention. And I think this problem could very much solve itself uh, over the next couple of years as more companies become more transparent, like I said, and it almost becomes a, a requirement of consumer demand for you to become transparent, and then also having potentially new services come up that help you better monitor your data. So that's my long-winded uh, speech about data overall. I'd love to know people's thoughts. I know this is it can be kind of controversial, but I just wanted to set out uh, overall the situation and where things are headed. So anyways, thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, that means you probably did enjoy the episode and you should share it with someone who you think would also enjoy it. And if you did enjoy it, it really helps us out if you leave us a rating or review uh, on whichever podcast platform you listen on. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. Bye-bye.